if Jesus is coming back from the dead after being crucified is proof that he is God because only God conquers death, right? Mm -hmm. Then what do we do with Jonah? My dear sister Tiffany. Good to see you. Thank you so much. It's great to see you too. So today we're going to be talking about uh, the topic of the sign of Jonah and whether or not the sign of Jonah proves or helps prove that Jesus is God. And before we get into this topic, because we will be dealing with a lot of topics on this channel in the coming period that uh, have to do with Christianity, and uh, we do have a large audience on the channel also that comes from a Christian background or are Christians uh, today. Um, I think that at the outstart, we have to say that our purpose here is not to offend anybody nor is it to go to war against uh, Christians yeah. at all, um, but rather to have an honest and open conversation together, us and our Christian audience members and, and the rest of the audience members, in order that we together as human beings can hopefully be guided by God to the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly they believe, uh, well, many of them would believe that they are upon the true path, you know, and if they believe that with all of their heart and soul, then they must believe that they are going to paradise and that they're going to enjoy all of eternity in a place that's good, mm -hmm. in heaven, in paradise. And I would hope and I would expect that anybody who is truly a follower of Jesus Christ to that they would want to share that, um, you know, that salvation, uh, share the opportunity to be saved with anybody else who is sincerely seeking God. And certainly we are. Yeah. And also we are convinced in what it is that we believe. And at the same time, we want to share it with other people. But there are two types of people that are out there. Yeah? There are people that uh, are set in their beliefs and they don't move and they don't uh, open their ears to listen to the truth, uh, even if the truth comes knocking at their door or smacks them in the face. And there are other people whom are the companions of the evidence, companions of the, of the proof. Wherever the proof goes, that is where they go. Yeah. yeah? So for me, uh, when I look at the stories in the Quran, uh, the stories and the verses in the, in the Torah, the Old Testament, and in the Gospels, I think that one of the most common themes throughout the three books, the one thing that the three books agree on is that uh, people that that are not open to hearing the truth 
or people that are not open to changing their minds, uh, people that uh, don't have the ability to um, entertain a thought uh, without fully accepting it until they reach the conclusion, uh, the absolute conclusion, uh, people that stick to the religion that they were born upon just because they were born upon it or just because it makes them feel good without investigating or reading, uh, these people are, are not liked so much um, by God. And they're not, um, they're not praised in any way, shape or form. But rather, these three religions encourage us and tell us either directly, um, you know, or through the stories of the prophets and the messengers that, you know, as long as we are alive and as long as we are breathing, you know, we should be searching, um, you know, for the truth. And certainly uh, the Ahl Bayt told us to question our religion until we are we are told that we are crazy, you know, uh, question and search for the truth, even if we have to, you know, uh, look for it in China, um, you know, for, that's, that's the, the, the starting point that I would like to begin from, you know, with, with all of our viewers. Um, and so that, uh, you know, everybody tones down the uh, aggression a little bit. Uh, certainly, uh, we are not going to get anywhere if, for example, I give a message and yet I'm calling my audience, you know, the, the, the viewers or the people that I'm having a conversation with or the people that I'm, that I'm trying to share my viewpoint with. Uh, I'm not going to get anywhere if I'm calling them animals in, in human form, right? Or, uh, or Canaanites or people of hell. And at the same time, uh, they're not going to get anywhere if they are uh, attacking Muslims or attacking, uh, you know, our beliefs without uh, giving giving it a, a fair chance. Because one of us is is right, or one of us, you know, one of us is right and one of us is wrong, or we're both wrong, but we can't both be right, yeah. right? So that's that's the 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 starting point where we where we want to. Um, begin from the assumption that the other party is also uh, equally as good as you are and is searching for the truth and one of us is confused about something so let's help the other with uh, removing this confusion and I don't think that it's going to happen uh, you know necessarily overnight or after one episode but perhaps after many conversations that we have together um, you know, we can reach the truth together. And so I, even though I'm convinced in what it is that I believe in, I'm totally willing um, to have an open mind. I always do. And I'm a companion of the, of the proof and the evidence. Wherever it goes, I shall go. Uh, even if it was to lead me to Christianity or to any other religion, I am happy to do so because uh, in the end, what we seek is God. We don't seek, uh, you know, to prove ourselves right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think what you've said is very important, and even um, just from a, from a Christian perspective, uh, I think the Gospels are filled with many conversations between Jesus and the people who are seen as religious authorities of Judaism in his time, and there was this constant um, closed-mindedness that he was faced with, and that ended up being the stumbling uh, block that kept people from accepting him as the Messiah. So uh, just in the history of Christianity, we see that this was a huge issue, people uh, people being unwilling to accept ideas that, that seemed foreign to them. 
or, or that seemed um, like outside of the realm of expectation. So this is one of the reasons why Jesus was rejected. He came with sort of a new message and he came teaching new things. And so I think that it's important to consider that, um, to have an open mind, because I mean, if the story of Jesus teaches us anything, that's one of the things that it teaches us, that in order to reach the truth, you have to be willing to accuse your own faith. Absolutely. And we shouldn't be afraid to accuse our own faith, right? Because, um, you know, the truth uh, can always stand on its own. And uh, the truth is always clear. Okay, let's start, shall we? Mm -hmm. So now we have Christianity. Uh, Christianity is a religion which is soaring with popularity. Yeah. Uh, it's the largest religion in the entire world. Yes. It hasn't been for long, though. Uh, not too long ago. Um, it was actually overshadowed by Buddhism. Buddhism was the number one religion in the world. Now today Christianity is, and, um, and, uh, Islam is coming up pretty fast actually behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, you have, uh, you know, and, and you also have a kind of slight withdrawal in Christianity, uh, more than a slight withdrawal with a lot of uh, countries and nations that used to be Christian, uh, turning atheist or agnostic. And uh, the, one of the central, you know, the central message, I guess, of Christianity is that um, Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, you can't, you can't, a person cannot basically pay off his own debt in sin. It, he's, it's impossible um, to do so um, because, you know, because you need a, a God in order to forgive you. He needs a a, a sacrifice. He can't just forgive you um, from his own self. And, uh, you know, the wage for sin is death. So when Adam sinned against God, he brought death and suffering into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the Israelites in Judaism, um, they used to, in exchange for sin, um, there would be these rituals whereby they would sacrifice uh, these animals, um, you know, as an offering to God. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so God, though, he's kind and he's loving, but at the same time, he's just. Mm -hmm. He can't let sin go, you know, because if he did let sin go, you know, without having death in exchange, then he wouldn't be just. Yeah. Right. Right. It exists and it has to be dealt with. And yeah. It yeah. exists. It has to be dealt with. If there's something wrong that happens, it, you know, it must be corrected. And yes. the way to correct sin is death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, at the same time, he's loving and he wants to forgive. You yeah. know, he loves his kids. He doesn't want them uh, to go to hellfire. He doesn't want them to die. Yes. I mean, he gave the instructions on how to atone for sin and these things. So, of course, yes, he... He, he wanted that they atone for their sins. Yeah. So then what must take place? Uh, God, uh, according to Christianity, he comes down to the earth and he appears to the people in the form of Jesus Christ, to the Messiah. Um, he is sinless, born of a virgin. All right. And uh, the idea of the birth from a virgin also further emphasizes um, the fact that Jesus was not tainted um, by anything that is evil. Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's this kind of like, or anything that's impure, because uh, there's this idea also in Christianity 
that uh, sex to you know a large degree is also there's this uh, impurity that's surrounding it and we're going to get into that and get into the virgin birth on a uh, in a future conversation inshallah okay okay and then jesus uh he dies for people's sins um so he is the sacrifice yes he is the offering to god mm -hmm. the ultimate offering he is yes. the ultimate offering so instead of offering a an animal uh, in exchange for the sin god offers a perfect human being who is without sin yes because jesus is without sin he shouldn't have died right yeah because death is an exchange for, for sin, sin yeah. but because he did die and he was crucified, God has to be just also. So he exchange and exchanges and ransoms for Jesus' death, the sin of all those who believe in him. Yes. Okay. For all time, not just for that time, but like for all time, whoever it is that hears or, you know, about Jesus having died for people's sins and believes in that then they um, will be forgiven. That is what's taught, yes, by the, by the institutions, by the church. And that's what's written by the epistles of Paul. And, you know, it's, it's in the Bible. So, yes, that's the concept that they believe in, for sure. And then, but, but at the same time, you have to believe uh, not just that he was crucified, but that he actually overcame death. Yes, he conquered death, yeah. That he conquered death, that he came back from death. Yes. And... I guess the conquering of death also is kind of, <clears throat> you know, the reason given is because he's he's God, so he's able to conquer death. Yeah. So he doesn't really die, which is which is kind of, uh, I guess, part of the issue why um, Jews and Christ and and Muslims have such a big issue with it because. Because then the question arises of, is it even a real offering? Right. Yeah, because, because if, if God can't die, then, then, then how did he die? Yeah, I yeah. understand the conundrum. You, you understand? Uh, yeah. Because then it's like a fake sacrifice. Yes, I, I, I understand why the concept is, is a little bit confusing and, and um, not fully explained by, by Christians. Yeah, I mean, they say he's fully God and fully man, but yeah. It's a it's a confusing concept, definitely. Yeah. Okay. But let's anyway. Let's move forward, and and you know we can come back to this point maybe um, in the future. But it is there is a question mark there. Yes. How can he be sacrificed? You know, how can he die? When you're saying that he didn't die, that he actually conquered death. Yeah. You know, and you're saying that he's God. God can't die. So how is that a sacrifice? You know, and if he conquered death, like is that even a sacrifice anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Let's assume that okay, he did die, but then, but then he came back. Yeah. But he's not supposed to come back because the the sacrifice or the offering is not supposed to come back. It's supposed to be gone, taken yes. by God, because because it's an exchange for sin. You're giving it. You're not supposed to take it back. Yes. Right? Yes. Of course. Yeah. It's a different. I mean, a completely different scenario playing out than all of the sacrifices that we're familiar with in Judaism. It's not like as if these sacrifices come back from the dead. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a completely different thing that which took place according to the Christian narrative. Yeah. And Muslims and Jews, they have a big problem because uh, both of their scriptures, the Old Testament 
and the Quran. So the book and the words of the prophets that come before Jesus and the word in the book of the prophet that comes after Jesus, you know, are all saying this is not possible. Mm -hmm. And this is against the very foundation of our religion. Um, Jesus as a man is limited. Uh, clearly, his, his, you know, his needing to eat and drink, you know, his being born and, uh, you know, and the, according to the Jews and the Christians, like him dying on the cross, you know, is proof also, um, you know, of his limitations as a man. And Muslims also believe that, you know, even though the majority believe that he was taken up into the sky and that he'll descend in the future, they still believe that he's a man that will eventually get married and, and end up dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... So they say that, you know, God is unlimited. God is the opposite of these very things. Like he is not born. Yeah. Nor does he give birth. Yeah. God, um, you know, is self-sustaining. God does not pray to himself. Yes. Jesus prayed to the Father. Yes. And depended on the Father. Yes, absolutely. And and asked the father many things, yes. right? Yeah. And attributed all of the glory to his father. Yes. God Almighty doesn't do this. God is the I am who says, I'm the one who does. I'm the one who, um, you know. Yes. God in the Old Testament, he issues very stern warnings against idolatry. And he destroys entire nations. And he is angered with nothing more than to than than to have something worshipped as him or as a partner with him yes yeah and the same thing with the quran the quran is filled with verses where god is emphasizing on the fact that he is one mm -hmm. and that there's nothing on the earth that's like him yeah. And issues a stern warning against those who claim that Jesus, the son of Mary, is the son of God or that God has taken a son. Uh, and, and, and people who are, who are holding on to this belief or propagating this belief without, you know, presumptuously, without evidence, mm -hmm. that God takes great offense to it. And he promises that the end of that is going to end up very, very bad. And so uh, Jews and, and Muslims, I think, would, would, would love the idea of, of Christianity. Yeah? And would, if there was no contradictions between the narrative and between their books and the words of all of the prophets and the messengers... Um, you know, with exception of of the the authors of the New Testament or the people that understand it um, in that way, who wouldn't who wouldn't want to believe in in an idea that God was so loving and so merciful that He's offering you a chance, and all you have to do is believe that He was crucified on the cross, yeah, yeah. Uh, in exchange for your sins. Like accept that, and and you will never be burnt by 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 hell. Yeah. That's a beautiful idea. It is beautiful. That's a beautiful religion. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, um, as you said, beautiful. If and it's true. Yeah. But if it's not true, then it's a very, it's a very bad thing because then I'm going to hold on to this false hope or false idea. And then in the end, I'm actually going to offend God. This is, 
this is the problem yeah. that that they have um and so the muslims and the jews they're they're just they're scared they're scared of making god angry this is what prevents them from being on the same page um with christians yeah. nothing more and nothing less christians jews muslims all of them are just seeking to uh, please God and to be close to Him and to obey them, and all of them see them. All of them see themselves as children of Abraham, or at least friends and advocates of Abraham and his family. Yes, but it's but it's but it's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated because the one who is wrong. It's it seems like um, if you if you believe in the the Christian narrative. You're taking a huge gamble because uh, there's there's all these contradictions uh, to to the scriptures of Judaism and the scriptures of Islam, and you would be angering God if you were to associate somebody with God uh, when God had commanded not to do so. So it's it's a huge potential problem. Yeah, it really is, and and um, I mean you have this this Judaism whereby all the prophets and the messengers that came before Jesus, they're literally fighting other nations and wiping them out because they worshiped other than the one God. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And then you have in Islam, you know, uh, this prophet coming forward, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi you know, with, with great determination and the motto of Islam being la ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. And the surah of monotheism, you know, being worth like two thirds of the entire Quran, you know, that's how important the message is. Say God is one. Yeah. God is everlasting. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And he, he doesn't have a son and he doesn't give birth to anyone and there's nobody who is equal to him. Yeah. And then you have the Christianity, the, the Christian narrative where, where we, we have to shift the focus off of the Father and put all of the focus on the Son, um, you know, and we have to believe that the Son is God at the same time. And we have to believe that that is part of a, of a trinity of, of, you know, a three parts of God now, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, that was previously in Judaism not thought to be God, um, you know, and 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 God, mm -hmm. the Father, and now the Son. And what does this all even mean? Yeah. And, and it's not explained, to be honest. It's not explained. Uh, you know, Jesus never spoke about a trinity or, you know, being uh, that all these three entities were part of like a triune God. Um, he never spoke about that. No. So. Yeah, it's a conclusion drawn after the fact. It is a conclusion that's drawn after the fact. And then there's all these other problems in there, which we're going to go, uh, you know, into each and every one of them uh, one by one. But we're going to leave them for uh, future episodes, you know. Uh, but the whole compilation of the Bible, the role of Paul in it all, um, you know, the beef and the problems that he had with uh, Simon Peter, um, the contradictions between what Simon Peter and the disciples believed in and what, um, you know, Paul was propagating and, and uh, many of the themes or proofs that are used in the Bible, um, you know, are referenced from the Old Testament that are, that are, that are, you know, 
sought out to prove this idea that Jesus is um, God. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with the story of Jonah. Okay. Because what happens is, uh, and, and Christians get very excited about this because, um, you know, and it, and it really is quite fascinating uh, when you look into it at the beginning because, you know, in Christianity in the New Testament, there are all these parallels and references you know, thousands of them, you know, that kind of like match the Old Testament, you yeah. know. So it's like uh, Jesus will reference a story from the Old Testament and the Christians would be like, see, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Yes, you know? they're numerous. See, this, this, this thing right here proves that Jesus is the living Lord, the living God, right? Yes. So we'll start going through them one by one. Today, let's talk about Jonah, because Jesus, at some point, he compares himself to Jonah. Yes. Can you tell us about him? Um, sure. Okay. So he's he's talking to the Pharisees, and um, and he he's like having a, a debate with them. You know how, how his conversations typically were with the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. They would try and trip him up on matters of religion, and um, and he said that that um, they they were asking him for a sign. So he said to them, this nation will, will be given the sign uh, of Jonah. And just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, the son of man will be in the grave for three days. So uh, he, he made a very direct um, comparison to himself and the story of Jonah. Yeah. Um, and then he says basically that, you know, the people of Nineveh, will testify against yes, these yeah, people. Why? Exactly. Because they repented yes. at least, but these people are not repenting. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Because if they did repent, then there's no reason to testify against them. Yeah. So he's basically saying, these guys are going to be disbelievers. My nation are, you know, even though I was greater than Jonah. Yes, you and, something greater than Jonah. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and yet the people of Nimbah, they, yeah. They believed, yeah, they believed. and they repented. Yeah. And, yeah. So okay, so so let's let's examine then the story of Jonah real quick and and see try to see you know how this proves basically that uh, Jesus is you know or if it does prove that Jesus is God, um, you know, etc. So the story of Jonah is what the story of Jonah is that Jonah he was sent by God to a people. Mm -hmm. And he was commanded by God to carry out this task uh, of warning them. Mm -hmm. And uh, he warns them a bit, but he decides he doesn't want to do this anymore and he runs away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He is escaping destiny and disobeying God. Yeah. And then he goes forward and he escapes to sea and he tries to board the ship um, in order. He basically hitchhikes a ride with, with some... Uh, sailors in order to escape and go to a different land yes uh, but god is angry about this yeah. you know and so god judges jonah and what he does is he causes a whale to swallow jonah for three days and three nights yeah yeah mm -hmm. the question arises of of okay well what happens to jonah does he survive or or does he die uh people are split in regards to this opinion um, in Islam and also in Judaism and Christianity. Okay? okay. Some people believe that he remained alive, while other people say, no, he definitely died. 
Okay. okay. And uh, the reason why they usually think that he was alive is just because he's talking and has, you know, conscious awareness of what's happening, um, you know, in the whale. Uh, but the reason why people think that he died is because he himself literally says that, you know, uh, when he was in the grave, he says, when he was in Sheol, the grave, when he was dead, um, he cried out to the Lord. All right. So he himself states that he went to the grave and the grave is not except for, you know, people that are dead. And also that's besides the fact that it would be physically impossible for um, people to stay alive uh, inside of the belly of a fish, um, you know, mixing with the stomach acids or, or, or even just being inside of its mouth, which is constantly opening and closing in the middle of the, of the, of the ocean for seven, you know, 72 hours. Yeah. It, it seems that from our, under, I mean, that's a physical impossibility. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It is a physical impossibility. Yeah. So, um, there's also narrations or hadiths uh, from the Ahl Bayt which talk about the story of Jonah and they add on to it some information that's left out of uh, you know Jonah's own account in the Old Testament okay. uh, and basically it the hadith states that while he was in there you know he actually met with some of the other characters uh, that were in hell okay, okay? Uh, one of them being Korah okay okay and Korah uh, is uh, was the 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 guy who was uh, leading the rebellion against Moses yeah. and basically he's he's Korah asks him he says hey who are you you know and and uh, is that you Jonah and and, and you know and he he identifies himself he's like yeah it's me Jonah and he says it's me Korah what what what's going on you know what what's what's happening uh, up there, what, what's taking place? And he's asking him about, you know, and uh, what's happening and, and sharing with him in this account, uh, you know, his misery uh, for being down there and in, uh, in, the, in the pit of hellfire. Wow. Right? Yeah. In the realm of the dead. Yeah. Okay. So he made it to the realm of the dead. Yeah. yeah. He made it to the realm of the dead. So Jonah is now in the realm of the dead. Korah got swallowed by the earth. Mm -hmm. Jonah is taken by the whale into the belly of the earth, wow. right? This yeah. one got swallowed into the land. This one gets swallowed into the sea. But the same thing, they're, they're you know, at the end of the day, they're in the belly of the earth. Uh, they're in the realm of the dead. And he's uh, communicating with him. Okay. Okay. And then after his conversation with Korah, he ends up uh, repenting and begging God for mercy and you know saying there is no god but you you know glory be to you i was of the wrongdoers yes yeah, yeah. and because of that repentance of jonah uh, god uh, basically brings jonah back from the dead and causes the fish or the whale to spit out um and jonah onto the shore and other narrations mention that, you know, his body and flesh is all eaten up and, and you know, uh, basically disfigured. And he has to lay there on the, on the shore, kind of, uh, you know, eating from the plants that are around him and staying under the shade of other plants in order, uh, you know, until he gets better. And when he eventually gets better, he goes back to his people.
Okay. Yes, because of course uh, the whale would begin to digest his yeah. body. So yeah, the his body would be um, not in condition to mm -hmm. just come back to life. One would assume. So yeah, now we have Jesus comparing himself to Jonah. Yes. Um, and we, yeah, we have to go now to the, um, you know, to, to, to examine this very carefully and try to understand why would he tell the Pharisees this? Okay, they're disbelievers and the people of Nineveh were disbelievers. Mm -hmm. um, if he's comparing himself to Jonah, well, Jonah was a messenger. And, you know, certainly in the uh, Islamic viewpoint, Jesus is also a messenger. Okay. Um, Jonah was uh, caused to die for three days and came back from life and appeared again. Um, Jesus, according to the Christian narrative, yes. um, he also died and he came back uh, after three days. Yes. The only question would be is that if Jesus is coming back from the dead after being crucified is proof that he is God because only God conquers death, right? Mm -hmm. Then what do we do with Jonah? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because also Jonah would have conquered death. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So where is the comparison? Did Jonah also go into the belly of the whale um, in exchange for the sins of the people of Nimba? I mean, that's certainly not the, the understanding of the story, no. So Jesus conquers death, okay. But so did Jonah. Jonah also conquered death, right? Yes, he did. He he died for three days, was swallowed by a whale, and then God commanded the whale to spit him out, and yeah. then he was back. Maybe people would say, oh, well, but Jonah was escaping the command of God, you know, and therefore he was being judged. Um, you know, and for that reason, he went into the earth for three days and three nights. But somebody could also argue and say that that's exactly what Jesus did too. That Jesus in the New Testament, he gets on his knees and he begs God to remove this cup from him. Yes, just is. as Jonah wanted to escape the mission that he had from God, Jesus too wanted to escape the mission that he had from God. And right afterwards, the result that Jesus faced was the same result that Jonah faced. Each one of them wanted to escape from the mission that they had. And as a result of that, each one of them gets swallowed into the earth, being caused to die. And, uh, and uh, the assumption would be then that just as, you know, Jonah was, was forgiven and brought back by God, Jesus is greater than Jonah. And so therefore, after Jesus is judged in the underworld, he also is forgiven and brought back to life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You you can absolutely draw a parallel between uh, what happened in these two stories. I mean, uh, the the prayer that Jesus uh, made to God, the pleading uh, that he made to God to lift the cup from him, 
can't can't really be ignored in this case because it does parallel also the story of Jonah, where he was he he didn't want to complete the mission that God had given him. So yes, absolutely. So the story itself it it doesn't seem to prove at all that uh, in any way, shape, or form that Jesus is God. Actually, the para parallel that Jesus draws between him and Jonah, it almost seems to be like Jesus is trying to prove for future generations that he is man, that he is a messenger, that he too is judged by God, that he too can make mistakes like Jonah did. Right? Yeah. Or else why compare yourself to Jonah? Yeah. I mean, if you are God, then why compare yourself to a mere uh, messenger? It doesn't, it's, it doesn't make sense that you um, would... And if you are God, why are you trying to escape from yourself or from your own command? Yes. Like that even, Pray to yourself make to, sense. to lift your own command you from know, like yourself. How, if Jonah is God, why would Jonah give himself a mission but then try to escape from the mission? Same thing with Jesus. If Jesus was God, why would... Jesus give himself the mission of coming into this world for the sole purpose of being a sacrifice in order to atone for the sins of all mankind that believe in him. But at the same time, when he comes to the most important, vital point, the whole point of why he came to the earth in the, in the, in the first place, he decides that he wants to escape from that by objecting to his own self and, and saying, uh, you know, I know that I'm God and I know that you sent me and I know that the, you're in me and I'm in you and that we're one. But at the same time, you know, please remove this cup from me. I don't even want to do it anymore. Yeah. It, it defies then, logic. Why, why, yeah. why did you come? What is the purpose? But there has to be another purpose or else why would you, I mean, why would Jesus want that the cup be removed? Yeah. If that was the sole purpose of what he was purpose. meant to do, uh, then then it doesn't make sense that he no, would make that. It makes sense for him to ask for the cup to be removed if he his purpose was to come and rule as the Messiah, and then the people are objecting to him and not listening to him, you know. But that's the reason why he was sent, and now they're going to kill him. Then yes, it makes sense that you know Jesus says, "Well, I haven't you know fulfilled my mission yet with the people. Please, God, remove this cup from me." Don't allow them to kill me, you know, and uh, yeah, give give them a chance or give me a chance that I may fulfill that which I came for. But for 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 you to come only for the sole purpose of, uh, you know, having everybody's sins and save them in that way. And you know about it and you've been drawing all these parallels before to prove that that's the reason why uh, you came. And then in the end to try to escape from that destiny. Well, for sure. That would deserve, if that was the case, it would deserve, first, it wouldn't make sense that you would be God, but let's say you're a messenger and that's the purpose why you came. Um, for sure, you objecting to that would necessitate also that God um, punishes you for three days and three nights or judges you at least. Yeah. I, I can't argue with the logic. It's, um, I mean... Or... In the case that Jonah didn't die and he stayed alive for three days and three nights, you know, but was just put in the whale, but he didn't experience death and was not resurrected, then the parallel that Jesus draws was basically to say that I too didn't die and I too 
um, you know, am, am alive. And then that kind of negates the whole idea of there being a sacrifice because there's no sacrifice anymore because Jesus didn't really die. Yes. And Jonah didn't really die. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there's no way around it, basically. No matter which way you think about it, it's... It yeah. kind of disproves. Yeah. Yeah. It proves that Jesus is man. It proves that he's a messenger. It proves that he can object to God like Jonah did. That's all that it proves. Wow. Right? Yeah, I mean, when you contemplate deeply over the words of Jesus and what it actually means, uh, it's a little bit different than what they, they lead you to think. Even the idea of a resurrection proving, or, you know, a resurrection proves that Jesus is God, because only God can conquer death, uh, is a strange one. It's a strange logic, too. Yeah, that's contradicted by Christianity itself. I'm not even going to talk about uh, Judaism and Islam at this point. Because there are other characters in Christianity that are resurrected. Yeah, yeah like Lazarus and those who are resurrected in the New Testament, you mean? Yes. Yeah. But I'm not really talking about them. I'm talking about other prophets and messengers. Okay. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Like in the book of Revelation, uh, there is this, um, you know, mentioning of two witnesses that are coming forward before the, the second coming of Christ. And they testify to him. All right. And they testify and they, you know, prophesize to the nations. And uh, these two individuals are thought in Christian theology and writings to be uh, two prophets. Some believe them to be Enoch and Moses. Others believe them to be Elijah and Moses. That Elijah and Moses come forward. They're resurrected from the dead, just like those two witnesses were with Jesus at the scene of the transfiguration. The idea is that they are resurrected and come in the future and prophesize before the coming of Christ. Even in the time of Jesus himself in the New Testament, the Jews are asking if he is the coming of, uh, you know, Elijah or Jeremiah or the prophets. So yes. this idea of prophets overcoming death and coming back again to the earth, being resurrected, is not, um, you know, one that would necessarily prove that like the, only God can do that. Yes, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's not exclusive to Jesus. No. And, yeah. So then, therefore, it doesn't, it, it, it takes away the, the meaning that they attach to it, being that Jesus must be God because he overcame that. Yeah. yeah. And then it also, you know, you have to wonder, like, who, who's greater? You know, is, if, if we're going to talk about, like, resurrection as a proof that, of the greatness of one prophet over the others or one individual or the divinity of an individual over all other people that have came and spoken the Lord in the name of the Lord, who is greater? I mean, is, is Jesus greater who, who came and was crucified and then, you know, came back and then ascended? You know, or is, 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 is Elijah greater who didn't have to go to the belly of the earth at all? Right. He didn't he have to go lifted. to the bad place yeah. and hang out with Quran and, and, and all of the bad people. He went straight up 
to the heavens above. He was taken in a chariot of fire, you know, and remains alive to this very day. Yeah. Right? According yeah. to the Christians and the Jews. I mean, that's a fair question. Yes. Right? Yeah. So if Elijah is still alive and, and, and he was taken straight up to the Lord from before Jesus, then what is the, what's the uniqueness um, in regards to Jesus being taken up to the Lord? I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I can't provide a, a suitable answer because there are so many holes in the logic of uh, what, they, what they believe and what they teach. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. But you, you before, like thinking, thinking as, as a Catholic, you've been, you've been raised your entire life Catholic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you are a devout Catholic too. You're not just like a, a normal person. You, you attended church, mm -hmm. uh, you played Mary in, in the church plays, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you sang in the choir, mm -hmm. you attended uh, the Bible studies, Right? Like yeah. you believed with all of your heart and soul. Yeah. So, and, and, and you only changed your belief much later in life. Yeah. Just a few years ago. Like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. But still. Yeah. I'm the majority of my life, yes, I was Christian. So then what? I think there are many uh, aspects of the religion that you accept when you're taught it and you don't uh, fully think through the logic. And that was one of the things about this, uh, this faith that I found different about anything that I had ever encountered before, because it actually uh, asked me to, to think through all of the logical aspects of what I believed. And when I did so, I found that there were so many holes in the logic. And for me, that was, that was a problem and it set me, uh, searching for what were the true answers to these problems. So yes, I, I, I have no suitable answer for the, for the things that you've brought up because they, they don't make sense. They're just things that, that many people accept because they've been taught it their whole life, yes. but they never questioned it. Okay, so you are from a Catholic background. Yes. Parents on both sides and their families are Christian. Yeah. I come from a mixed background. From my father's side, they are all Muslim. And from my mother's side, they are all Christian. Mm -hmm. Just like Imam Mahdi, yeah. who, whose, whose father is one of the Imams, Al-Hassan Al-Askari, and whose mother is Nergis, who is a Roman, uh, you know, Christian princess. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So he comes from those backgrounds. I come from those backgrounds, the mixed background. You come from fully Christian background. Yes. So you thinking from the Christian background and me thinking from my, my mother's side and, and, and all the people that I knew um, and my upbringing that, you know, that gave me the ability to explore both faiths. Mm -hmm. I can't, it doesn't make sense to me that the story of Jonah and the sign of Jonah in the belly of the whale and Jesus in the belly of the earth, it doesn't seem to prove anything except the opposite of what they say it means. What yeah. they say it means. Do you have an answer thinking as a Catholic? I really don't. I, 
I, I also agree that it doesn't make sense when we've gone through all of the points of uh, what it actually means and all of the parallels of the story. When we drew um, all of the parallels between Jesus and Jonah, um, yeah, it, it, the logic doesn't add up. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't prove to me by logic that Jesus was God. It definitely does not do that. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. God bless you. And uh, I guess uh, for now, we'll just have to uh, see this as uh, one point in the Bible that that proves that Jesus was a messenger. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's carry on. And we encourage everybody to, uh, you know, make comments and to explain to us uh, their point of view. And certainly we're going to... uh, uh, do our best to read uh, every single comment that's uh, that's placed. Yeah. Okay. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for having this discussion with me today. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam.